Hey guys, before we start the show, I just want to give a quick shout out to another podcast. Hey, don't forget to check out the Pacific War Podcast week by week in association with Kings and Generals. Hey, and don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button so I can feed my two feathery co-hosts. You are listening to the Pacific War Channel's podcast. If you wish to see the video version of these podcasts, go to the Pacific War Channel on YouTube. Hello there. Welcome back to the Pacific War Podcast. I am joined here by someone you might have never seen before, unless you saw our speakeasies once upon a time, my friend Ian. Hi there. Who I just realized didn't ask you if I should be using your real name or not in this podcast. So you will be doxxed (laughs) by the Kings and Generals community. Uh, this is nice yet again. This is yet again a kind of pilot series that we're doing, where we are simply doing podcasts on any given subject. And I chose to attack many of the questions that were launched at me by the Kings and Generals Discord community. So last episode was, "What if Japan attacked the Soviet Union during Operation Barbarossa?" Shut the fuck up! Know your fucking place, trash. Which kind of unanimously doesn't make sense and it would go horribly either way. This is going to be another what if episode. This one is actually a bit of a two-parter. What if Pearl Harbor went much better or what if it didn't happen at all? I have to say this is very exciting because like I've been thinking about stuff like this for weeks now as I'm reading um, uh, Shattered Sword, listening yeah. to Dan Carlin's uh, podcast on uh, the Pacific War, and just um, my my thoughts are there. So when you asked me the other day, like, would you be interested in doing a podcast about, like, yes, absolutely. So thank you for having me here. And for conclusion, <laughs> as I said in the last podcast, we're gonna try and keep it in parts. So first part, what actually happened? Why did it happen? Why did Pearl Harbor happen? Just in general. Second part, what do we think in this kind of alternate what-if scenario will happen? And in the end, like the third part, generally, uh, how does history even look after whatever we've said, which is probably going to go down the rabbit hole. So, yeah. A lot of hypotheticals, you know. It's going to go around. It's it's a very fun topic. I mean, it's going to go fully down the rabbit hole. But uh, here, I'll I'll, I'll leave it to my... Whenever you deal with the hypotheticals, like, you have to. I'll leave it to my guest. Uh, I mean, what do you know about Pearl Harbor? Why it happened? Anything you can say? Logistics? What you know? Damage? I mean, popular consensus is the raid on Pearl Harbor was to deliver a knockout blow to the Americans early on, giving Japan, in Yamamoto's mind, six months free reign on the Pacific to shore up the defensive line in the Pacific, circle around the home islands, create that defensive barrier separating the home islands from the Pacific itself and having room to move around and thus being able to focus on their expansion into Asia itself and get those key resources that we all know that they need. Yeah, because that was, you know, the crux of it. How do you go into a place like the Dutch East Indies uh, and take all those resources and get away with it? Well, you, you can't really. You have to neutralize any possible threats to this incursion. And that means Britain, and it does mean the yeah. United States. And they they hit the states first, like fleet-wise, they hit uh, the Americans first at Pearl, but they also hit 
uh, the British not long after. It was actually simultaneous. Yeah. Uh, technically, they technically hit Malaya uh, first. It was the eighth, I believe, that they they took on. Well, because uh, there's a time zone difference too, by uh, twelve the, hours. Prince of Wales, or oh, it's a bit after. Okay. Prince of Wales is uh, a little bit. I, I'm thinking about that first naval engagement where it was just pure aircraft taken down. Uh, but that is the Prince ships. of Wales. Yeah, yeah. The Prince of Wales got. Oh, yeah, that was Prince of Wales getting wrecked. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, go, I'll, I'll give the audience like a little bit of tidbit information, maybe you didn't know. Uh, well, there was a spy in Pearl Harbor, uh, actually a few spies, but the main one, the kind of James Bond, if you will, was uh, Takeo Yoshikawa. Yoshikawa, making sure. Yeah, that's the way you spell his name. I have notes here, people, because we need them sometimes. And he was reporting every single week, you know, what ships are in the docks, uh, where are they docked, how are they docked. Like, for instance, you know, the battleships were actually positioned right beside each other. So whatever right. ship was inside, the Japanese were like, okay, we have to actually bomb that. The ship's on the outside. We have to torpedo that. Just Most importantly, yeah. are the carriers there? Because that's, that's the information Yamamoto wanted. And they weren't, and they knew it. When the, when the operation was, you know, said, okay, yes, we're going, he told them, yeah, the carriers are gone they go out on routine missions that's what was going on and he's like okay well they've been gone for a while and you know there's conspiracy theories out there where people are like oh why weren't they there more or less they were doing routine operations yeah carriers operate at sea uh it's a it's a completely different game if carriers are doing um like training in a harbor than if they're on the open ocean because first of all that carrier has to be moving yeah how are you going to do in a harbor yeah because the pilots have to learn that if the like the, the wind patterns and if the, the carrier is running 30 knots, what does that do to the aircraft as you're trying to climb off? If you're doing that from the harbor, chances are a lot of those planes aren't going to be able to get off because mm-hmm. they need that extra boost. And so, of course, the, like they come into to harbor, get uh, re, uh, refueled, refitted with uh, more supplies, uh, give the pilots a day or two R&R. Uh, Pretty much. And it's uh, not like a battleship where I mean you could still be running tests in that on uh in the harbor, like sure ma- maintaining the the fundamentals of inside the craft and that also you don't want to you don't want to use fuel, although the United States is not running low on fuel any which way. I mean it's very important that we we start this podcast off with identifying the states as a juggernaut. They are not short on supplies. They're the ones providing the, the fuel to Japan that they just cut off, which is the reason for Pearl Harbor is because of the massive amounts of embargoes that FDR has mm-hmm. put on, freezing Japanese assets, getting the Dutch to do the same thing to them, which was... I see what you did, FDR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, FDR so was he, pushing he was cl- Yeah, he was close. He was pushing him to war. Like, it, it's yeah. not an argument. Like, that was the purpose of what which he was is, doing. Which is ironic, because he his platforms were getting elected that time publicly no, yes, yeah publicly was no american boots will fight in this war yeah just like the war in iraq was to fund wmds that's me winking at the camera <laughs> <laughs> but uh the objectives of yamamoto's plan was as ian had already said to prevent the u.s pacific fleet for at least six months you know just bide that time so you can get all those resources it's the whole nanshinron strategy go south and get everything but uh, other than that, you know, they have to build up a defensive barrier and all the territories are taking. It's going to take a long time. And it's they don't do a outstanding job, I would say, uh, in the time that they're given. And, you know, there's the underlying hope that uh, after they do all this and they do such a striking blow that the Americans will, you know, go into a decisive naval battle with them at some point. And if the Japanese win that, which 
would have been something like Midway, have the, had the Japanese won, then maybe the Americans will come to the peace table and negotiate. That's yeah. the thinking behind this whole thing, because no one was under the illusions that this juggernaut's going to be perhaps defeated. the Pacific is not worth it. Let's just focus yeah. on Europe. And uh, that's, uh, well, well, I guess I have to mention, um, so what actually happened at Pearl Harbor? 21 ships were, you know, damaged. Some of them were unsalvageable. All the battleships were knocked out for certain amounts of months of time. So it, more or less, they completed their objectives spot on. The carriers were not really the objective. It was to hit the battleships because they had pretty terrible it thinking. Was it was to hit the service. Yeah. Because the thinking was still the old big guns club, like, oh, it's battleships everyone, that are going to make the world. Everyone yeah. was still practicing the Mahan doctrine mm. in this part of the world. Yeah. And it, it, Yamamoto got the go-ahead to use his carriers, but no one had faith in it. Back in, back in Japan, they didn't think it was gonna, he was going to pull it off. I mean, what, was the, oh. what was the chances of Pearl Harbor being a success? Uh, they said it was like 40%. Compare, well, if you look at the amount of aircraft they lost, which in the first wave, they, they hardly lost anything. It was like eight, maybe eight. It was, it was so, such a surprise. Yeah. Second wave, they lose like 20 or something. I think it's like 29 aircraft they lose. And, you know, for someone like Nagumo's controlling operations, he's like, okay, he's they're alert. They're alert now. We don't know where the aircraft carriers are. They are most likely hunting us and such. The Ameri anti aircraft American are submarines are in the area. Yeah. Of course, Americans have submarines around Pearl. The uh, the anti aircraft guns are now proving yeah, to be more the shore, effective. The shore based ones, yes. yeah, they're waking up. Yeah, so and, and these are these are the big AA guns. They're armed to the forty millimeter flat guns. Ho Hawaii so. was armed to yeah. the teeth. Fifty thousand regular <laughs> servicemen there. They had tanks. The time they had everything that they needed in case of an invasion, which never is possible. It's impossible to invade Hawaii from Japan's point of view. Anyways, so, so I guess in this hypothetical scenario, we would be saying. They didn't wake up as quickly. The the yeah. AA defenses of Pearl Harbor. They but. do even better, even though they did really good. Like Japan did very. They were lucky. They're really lucky with the results that they got. But they had planned another third strike, another fourth strike. So that's and, what and in this hypothetical about. situation, those third, that fourth uh, strikes, they go off unimpeded. Now that's the, the legendary. You know, this is what this whole question revolves around is oh what if the third strike happened in a yes and a lot of people might be led to believe as it has been believed by even a lot of historians that oh it changes everything i had to do a lot of research myself and i was surprised to find out that uh more or less if you were to if you were to put put yourselves in Naguma's shoes having the hindsight you might just quit and not do the third strike yourself yeah. because it actually was pretty impractical on a lot of levels. So famously, oh, a third strike would knock out the fuel tanks. That's the fuel. The, the other objectives of the raid on Pearl Harbor, yeah. not just the, the surface fleet, but it was the repair, repair docks, facilities, the, the uh, oil tanks, the oil tanks. Maybe you could hunt key, down the carriers. The administration buildings, uh, more of a secondary objective. Yeah. I guess that would fall in the, the fourth, but the repair facilities and the fuel tanks. That was... The most important thing that they could have hit that they wouldn't know to hit is the old administration building that held the crypto unit, you know, for the uh, code breakers, which ultimately won the war in the Pacific. Yeah, so you could argue, oh, if they had that building, then they could really screw over Midway. Like, yeah, that's an alter history question right there. But that wasn't their target. If they did go after anything, it'd be, you know, the fuel tanks and, you know, Fujita, that's what he was arguing. Oh, let's go hit the oil tanks. I looked it up and I was surprised to find out that these things were actually more robust than I knew, 
uh, they're not going to be strafed down. They wouldn't cause a fire if you strafe them. They'd have to be bombed by light bombers because the Japanese don't have heavy bombers there. It's impossible. Yeah. It's not a Doolittle raid. So it would be, they'd be limited to 500,000 pound bombs. Yeah. And if you hit one and you're successful, which is actually going to be a little difficult, uh, it's going to send such a cloud in the air that you won't be getting another shot down on any of the other yes, ones. At that point, you're hoping that it spreads. And it wouldn't. I was. I read from one guy in a military forum. He said that the fire control teams in Pearl were trained such a way. If one of these bad boys lit on fire, there was no way it was going to catch the other ones. And that's what really shocked me because I thought this whole conversation would be third wave. It's a knockout blow. The Pacific fleet's going to have to pull back to the coast, the United States, back and like, Sandy, yeah, this is really bad situation. But looking at looking at it on paper, it's like how much more damage could they have done to the ships? Cause they're in a shallow dry dock. They're not sinking into the ocean. They're you, you really have to batter them to make them destroyed. Quote unquote. Yes, you lose a lot. Tragically, a lot of Naval personnel. Oh, everyone's but, dying. Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, the one ship, but the hulks of the ships are still there. Yeah. And it takes a lot. Like these are light bombers. The Japanese, like that has to be emphasized. You know, when the United States or Britain is doing their heavy bomb campaigns in Dresden or Tokyo, that, that's a whole different scenario. You can smash a ship with those bombs. Yeah. But these are light bombers, torpedo bombers. Like, it's going to cripple and damage and maybe completely unless, break one. Unless you're hitting, like, an ammo storage or something. You have like to get the lucky, case, yeah. Like, in the case of the Arizona, the Arizona, there's no salvaging that. Uh, yeah. But others, like, yes, they, they capsize. But the hulks of the ships were still intact. And once you get them out of the water after months of repair and whatnot, you can, in theory, bring these ships back into service, as they did. As they did. Each a few months at a time, depending on the amount of damage. And well, a lot of that operation being done at the Pearl Repair Facilities. But, you know, for the argument's sake, we're going to go with the old traditional, and I'll, I'll even call it uh, the, the, the turtle dove novelist look at this, where... Pearl Harbor goes so well oh, yeah. that absolute yeah. best case scenario magic. The uh, how did the Japanese say it? You know, like the the gods of the that the the rising sun are on their side. Amaterasu was just like yeah. raining Amas hell on the. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I can't go as far as to say that all the ships are are somehow completely destroyed it, that doesn't make sense like they're not that, they yeah. already effectively did that. they're wiped yeah, out for a yeah. year instead of six months in, in the scenario they yeah. will come back unless those repair facilities are damaged or taken out of commission i even looked that, that up too apparently those things are they're steel structures they're, they won't be hit by light, like the light bombs are going to crash and they can get repaired in a matter of days if not weeks so it's it's not going to work and it's if not. it's one thing the americans proved at this stage of the war is their repair crews are on point. Yeah. I just want to bring up, like, I know this is later on, but the Yorktown, Yorktown after Coral Sea yeah. goes to Pearl, they, they temporary fix it. And as they go into Midway, they have a few hundred repair guys, right? I call them repair guys, but you know, uh, engineers and that on the ship still fixing it as the battle's going on, still fixing it, keeping it operational. Yeah. Like, this is the determination of the American Navy at the time. And uh, I'm already hearing the cries in the comment section. Well, you guys got to know one thing when we're saying all this, like there's no magic here. I have to base this off realism. Uh, or are you going to say, oh, they're going to invade the island. Like they can't invade the island. There's 50,000 regular troops in Hawaii. It's a 
pillbox of its own. The Japanese have all the all their divisions are caught up in the Nanshinran, you know, plan in Malaya and the Philippines and such. So that's not happening. Even the American paranoia of the Japanese descendants living on the island would rise up and yeah. conquer the island for them and take up arms against their American. Fifth colonists are not going to win this either, even though no. it's like an eighty percent Japanese population. I guess. Yes, but a majority of these families like they've been there for a couple generations and you've just attacked them and their businesses and the boats that they probably own in those private harbor like yeah it's not gonna happen but uh so anyways we're gonna say that pearl harbor goes even more outstandingly and let's say they even get uh let's say the enterprise gets hit uh enterprise comes in because the third wave Uh, enterprise could that's another hypothetical like the enterprise uh gets knocked out is in the area and he doesn't engage uh well, there's still the Hornet out there. There's still the Lexington, the Yorktown. Yeah, so let's let's say Pearl Harbor. They get a they get a carrier. I can't give them more than one carrier because it's just so. It's also it's I, I know, but like the first carrier for them to lose, Easy E. It's it's crushing. But it doesn't well. have the reputation at this point. I mean, it, it hasn't survived the entire war and get become the most decorated ship in you know in the U.S. naval history. But uh, so we're going to say EZ gets hit. And I mean, that you get no better than that. Uh, how does this change greater scheme of things? It's six months. Uh, it's, it's Instead of six months, it's about a year. But, the only thing that I could see changing is Roosevelt's command to uh, Nimitz when he, when he arrived at Pearl. You get your carriers out into the Pacific and you don't come back until you have a victory. I mean, perhaps that would change because now all of a sudden... That's not looking too easy to do. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't easy with what they had. They were fighting, you know... I mean, oh, the Doolittle Raid's not happening. Yeah, the Enterprise had to help. Uh, They were escorting. Yeah. Yeah, so that Doolittle Raid, I guess, wouldn't happen. And the psychological effect of the Doolittle Raid... Unless, like, desperation kicks in and uh, they go ahead without it. I mean, technically, they didn't need the enterprise to launch the in, in hindsight so. it didn't it was smooth sailing to that point and that's then they ballsy get a, if they do that. that's super ballsy <laughs> would they, they can't take, they have no offensive. but that is how desperate are they they're relying on public a, win. yeah they're relying only on the screening force of destroyers that would be terrifying it's terrifying but in in desperate times you know and i don't think uh like the saratoga couldn't possibly it's not not fast enough it's uh that's an old ship that's uh along the lines of the lexington uh yeah does not have the maneuverability the speed wasp is going to take a long time uh, to get over and into the pacific it's i don't know if the total rate i mean yeah maybe maybe if they they put the balls to the wall and they're going to do it sneaky sneak like they were and just hope to god they don't get attacked which is risking it i mean they were risking both carriers mind you doing what they did same I think it's too much of a stretch imagining that the Enterprise would be there yeah. for the third and the fourth. I, and that well, was, it was close. It, it was close. They were hunting yes. for them, and they just didn't find them. They actually found American destroyers and attacked them slightly, thinking they were the Japanese, because reconnaissance is really, really... <laughs> Oof, for both sides, man. World War II reconnaissance planes in the Pacific, it's outstanding. The stories of like oil tankers being misidentified yeah. as carriers and yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Well, because it's not like, you know, we're we're a little spoiled in, you know, the modern age here with yeah. our video games and that. And when you're you're playing an RTS as an example, like, okay, that guy's red, I'm blue. I know that's the enemy. It wasn't like that. It, the fog of war was real. Yeah. 
you you had to have been able to identify that ship and a lot of ships look alike i'm not gonna lie and i think the audience is already realizing this the reason why i made this particular podcast like a two questioner is because the idea that pearl harbor goes much better almost changes nothing it really just prolongs all the same operations like okay maybe do little raid doesn't happen but some kind of midway situation because a decisive naval victory is only thing Yamamoto's thinking of after Pearl Harbor. He needs it. It's going to happen. It's going to look different. We don't know what time period is going to happen. U.S. is going to have more carriers though because it's going to be longer in the future. So Wasp might be there. Who knows? And we maybe Guadalcanal. It's a it's a few months later on than think, it happens. I think so. ultimately the scenario would be just prolonged. Yeah, like um, the, the same things would happen. Only thing I can think to say is situations like the Battle of Coral Sea, that whole operation by the Japanese, they had even more time in this scenario. So they got in an extra few months. Maybe they're going to get some of the stuff close to Australia. So it's going to get scarier. Yeah. Maybe actually, they get that, sail that on. Is, uh, Port Mors- uh, Moresby. Moresby, yeah. That's actually scary. It's going to threaten transport lines. But then again, when it came to merchant transport, Japanese were, sorry to say it, complete idiots. Uh, they didn't protect their own merchants or transports, and they didn't raid the Allies enough. They, they, honest, they know what they're doing. I, they honestly never thought about submarines. They had no... No, they did. It's just they thought the submarine was an offensive weapon, and they used the submarines in naval like in naval battles. Yeah, like, uh, yeah the, the submarines were used against other uh, military vessels they they had this of all the things to have kind of like a samurai mentality about yeah. it's weird to say they they thought it was like gross to attack merchant convoys which is ironic since it's what defeated them mm-hmm. basically the american submarine force when it pulls its shit together and fixes its torpedo issue strangle them just kills them they're, they're, they have they can't transport any of the resources they get from the dutch east indies so all the oil that they got which they didn't really get much of because they didn't know how to get it out of the ground properly because everything was destroyed. And if they, you have to yeah. have uh, an escort, uh, like task force per convoy, they didn't do uh, it. All of a sudden, you're yeah. losing resources in the Pacific to be fighting the main object, like the main battle fleet of. I mean, we're, we're talking uh, about the Americans. We're talking about the same country that ended up using its destroyers to move its troops in the end. Yeah, like they they really did. Not that they didn't think of things, but they didn't have the resources necessary to do things adequately. That's yeah. the problem. It's easy in hindsight to say, oh, well, that was ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. like, this is an empire of limited resources yeah. and limited capabilities. Yes, they had the most advanced Navy of the world at the time, but they didn't have the capabilities of enhancing it, yeah. such as the Americans. The Americans, like, let's say the entire fleet is wiped out they can start building a new one from scratch and then they yeah. can build another one after that another one after that it's, they uh, have that economic and um they they have the resources for it i, I saw Japan cannot say the same one guy summarized it really well at a point in 1943 they start pulling carriers out every two months a carrier or something yeah. on average that's well ridiculous. look at 1945 how many carriers did oh, the americans so... they're they're at like 60 70 carriers but technicality like there's fleet carriers there's light carriers escort carriers like, there's all types but yeah they, they they had almost 40 fleet carriers yeah. and the japanese how many carriers did they put out by 45 <laughs> yeah it's not looking good i think they put think out end 11 of the, or end of the day again. they were at like i think max number and this was the total war combined it was like uh the the mid-teens it was like 16 17 
It wasn't looking they, good. They were even like converting super battleships into carriers at that time, the Shinano. So I think it's actually a little bit more boring to talk about, okay, Pearl Harbor goes so outstatically great. Like, how does that change greater things? What happens next? So what's more interesting is the other question that, and this comes straight from the KNG Discord community who pelted me with this one. Oh, what if Pearl Harbor just doesn't happen? And oh, that's fascinating. this one's tricky to do. It's, uh, it's a lot more scenarios. Yeah. And the first thing I asked the people asking me this question, I said, okay, but why aren't they attacking Pearl? What are they doing? And they, you know, they just said to me things like, oh, well, um, some of them said, well, they just focus on the Philippines or no, they don't want to go to war with America. They're just going to go after the Dutch and the British to get the resources because that's the goal is the resources. It's not that easy. <laughs> there's a good reason why they raided Pearl Harbor. And there's a good reason why they attacked the Philippines. Um, the Philippines is right on the front step of the mainland islands. And just because you say you're neutral against one of your worst rivals who doesn't like you, doesn't mean they're not going to attack you the moment they have a chance or at least hinder you in how every many, way. How many airfields and operations from, oh God. from the Philippines, just with, the Philippines alone. with long range bombers? These like flying fortresses are just like, oh, we're looking at Formos over there. That's the Taiwan. Hmm. Well, the flying fortresses weren't in commission at that point, but no, they but still they had to be. They, they had long range bombers, like high altitude bombers at the time. Yeah. On per, uh, well, they got their B the seven. They got their B 17s with uh, Doofus MacArthur, who's if if they don't attack the philippines then macarthur can actually raise the army he wants to raise so good for him but uh this is the question i kind of wanted to answer because so many people ask me this and i i gotta say like the scenario is hard to imagine that they don't attack pearl harbor yeah it's because then you have the american surface fleet and the carrier fleet encroaching in as you're trying to take these key objectives for your resources it, it would be like going after your main objective and then being hit in the back simultaneously. Like that is, it, it, it's almost suicide. I All their plans of expansion yeah. would crumble. I, I even looked up, there's one guy who asked, I mean, it's, it's actually a pretty smart, it's a smart question. He said, what if they just performed a coup against the Dutch to get the oil? You know, a, a nice. big reason that, this all happened was at the last minute when they were trying to purchase oil from the Dutch, the Dutch said no, because the Americans had talked to them and said, no, we're going to have a unilateral, you, the Dutch, the British, and us, we are not giving them the war supplies they need for the war in China. I don't think, a, I don't think a coup is going to work against the Dutch. Like they're a, they're government in exile. They're only friends who they need to rely on to get them their country back from Germany. They have to play ball. And even if they're attacked by the Japanese, this is a, yes, it's a very important amount of colonies with vast amounts of resources, but they're not going to throw away the chances of reclaiming their yeah. actual homeland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alamo. I mean, I had to really go through the ringer uh, as if the audience watched the other podcast, another possibility is what if Japan attacks the Soviet Union? No, no, it's not happening. They, they have to attack Southeast Asia and the Dutch East Indies. They need those resources. Why they wouldn't attack Pearl Harbor? Let's say they, the only possible situation is they attack the Philippines and hunker down thinking they're going to do a decisive naval battle against the U.S. Pacific Fleet incoming. And that's going to be disastrous for both and sides. completely different. 
Yeah. The only reason the Pacific turned into a carrier war is because of the success of Pearl Harbor. Yeah. That, that the old school thought the Mahan, the Mahan Doctrine was big battleships win a navy, a uh, naval war. And back home in uh, in Tokyo, the everyone was telling Yamamoto, "You're crazy! You're crazy! Carriers are not going to win this war. We have to go with a battleship." And at that point, without having Pearl Harbor a success for him, he would not have the reputation where he's able to pull off these carrier engagements such as Coral Sea, Midway, and really emphasize that carriers are our most important in, in most important asset that we have in our Navy. It's it, they He would have been forced to engage the incoming American fleet in old school naval warfare. Big battleship versus big battleship carriers as a support vessel as was originally planned of what a carrier would do and can you imagine like i mean it's cool to imagine but the screening force of the destroyers on both sides because both sides are throwing carriers both sides throwing battleships and destroyers the screening forces on both of these giant navies i would not want to be a pilot in that that's going to be a nightmare yeah these are these are ships at sea not just battleships on their own without their uh uh, escort vessels this is a fully functional task force designed to counter incoming airwaves and uh, don't don't get me wrong the japanese are winning yeah yeah they're gonna they're, win they're gonna win sure, it yeah. but it's gonna they be got the numbers they got the superior vessels yeah, it's a pyrrhic victory i mean i don't know how much they're gonna lose but it's gonna be awful how but much they're, they're gonna lose. but they're losing yeah as opposed to pearl harbor where they lost 29 uh, aircraft that said nothing right. I mean, mind you, I guess the torpedoes from the American side are not going to help their cause. They're going to do nothing. Oh, the, the Americans, like, they're, oh, their aircraft aren't even getting close to the, you know uh, what? the Japanese force. And I'm guilty. I didn't even mention this. It's not only the Americans. If the Americans are rallying to attack, the Dutch and the British are coming. What, what was the name of that, uh, that force, the, uh, the international force that Abdicom. they had? Yeah, that's it. Dorman and Helfwick from the Dutch and the British Prince of Wales is get repulse is going to be there. Uh, probably an aircraft carrier too. Um, illustrious, yeah. I don't know. Someone in the Mediterranean would pop out. This would be so important if they were going to get together to I fight think the Japanese. A much larger battle on it's maybe, yeah, maybe I, I take it back. The Japanese might not have a clean victory here. Actually, it, there's a potential loss if. I mean, it's a because they were able to deal with that force because they knocked out the Americans. Yeah. So all of a sudden, that flank is secure. They don't have to worry about it for a few months, and then they were able to just roll up everything out. And they can't. They they actually can't attack all the places they want to attack if the American and all these fleets are coming at them. This is going to be a nightmare. All of a sudden, he's working. The Japs are working here. Working there. Like we're like Malaya. Maybe maybe you have your forces in Malaya, but you're not uh, landing forces in other places. If I mean the Philippines. The Philippines is super dangerous because, okay, yes, the Philippines is being surrounded and you're invading right now, but the American Pacific fleet, the British and the Dutch are going to consolidate and attack you while you're around the Philippines. That's not fun, especially with the Philippines. I mean, if it's not a complete disaster and their aircrafts are still up, oof, that's really bad for you guys. And whatever Australia is throwing in the mix, because Australia, yeah, oh, they have so many ships, actually, they could throw at this. Yeah, it would be a nightmare. Uh, but uh, another one people, you know, say is, what if America remained neutral magically, which I don't think is a possibility. No, eventually they they would go to war. It's it, it, if not it, with it's Germany, too much yeah. happening on 
you know, they're by the back door in the, the backyard. Like, yeah. It's ridiculous. Okay. Like somehow like people even said this in uh in the discord interview. Okay. Wait, they go around the Philippines intentionally and they only attack the Dutch and the British or, or just the Dutch, whatever you want. It's the same thing in the end. But then the Philippines is right there, and the U.S. Pacific Fleet is in the Philippines, most likely right at your doorstep. Like you, you can't. You have to remember like the Japanese mentality at the time yeah. that they were bringing salvation to to the Orient. That <laughs> they're not really, but we right. will liberate. They said that we will liberate. Uh, dare I say the the Asians? from these western invaders these western colonizers it, it, it's you cannot right you cannot slogan, leave but, uh... you cannot leave philippines in the hands of the americans that like even though that they're neutral i mean technically they weren't at war with anyone else but they still ended up invading there's no way the japanese would abide with the philippines remaining in american hands not for long anyways I, I, I was going to bring this up at the very end of the podcast. I don't know if you know the one of my favorite YouTube channels is Alternate History Hub. Of and, course. Yeah. And he, he touched the subject. He made an episode on what if Pearl Harbor never happened. And he had a unique take on it. And I mean, it's alternate history. It's going to be batshit crazy. But I'll offer this as another example of what we're talking about. If the United States, and I mean magically remains neutral, like this is beyond magic. This doesn't stop the Lend-Lease program. And uh, you might be saying, okay, but what about the Soviets getting, you know, because, well, the body of Vostok, like, it's not going to be as easy. Maybe the Japanese attack Russia, blah, blah. No, no, the Russians are getting lend-lease through the Persian yeah. corridor and other places. All the materials are now super steroided because the United States is not using them themselves. Yeah. The United States is selling ships fully to Britain to, to, I don't think Russia would need them, to maybe Australia and stuff. Like, the United States is funding this entire war and it's going to take longer for World War II. But as Alternate History Hub put, put it adequately, the Soviets are in an incredible position. Yeah, probably like by that point, they're, they're already getting ready to bounce back Barbarossa. It's... They're most likely like we're talking 1948, maybe World War II ends. And they've taken all of Germany instead of half of it. And then they sweep around and they attack all Japan's holdings in Asia except for the main islands, of course, because there's no way they can actually attack the main islands. It would be incredible to think about that. Yeah. But they're strangling Japan from everything it has, and then Japan's going to capitulate. Probably to the United States and join the United States, and then we have a worse Cold War that might go hot because there's going to be maybe nukes going after people. Who knows? It's worse. It's a worse world, actually, if you think about it. It's yeah, awful. Absolutely. Because uh, at that point, the Americans do not have their staging grounds in Europe bolstering uh, the Western powers. No, there, there's no bulwark there. It, it's Russia would have free reign of Europe. And they'd have most of Asia. And Mao is probably even more prominent and bolstered by Stalin. So we're looking at a even stronger China that helps defeat the Japanese even more so. And there's a huge Soviet bloc that now is and more. Yeah. They, they would be the ones leading the way. The Americans would never have caught up in military technological prowess as they no. do in World War II, creating that massive superpower that they were. They don't have a reason to go 
crazy into production either because they're not at war they're they're going to be productive but it's not like the the 500 percent that we see it's going to be a little different in in fact when world war ii ends that's probably the wake-up call for america when they see the soviet union where it is and americans might be too late to catch up at that point it's scary it's a scary idea and then americans are probably going to be in japan helping what is potentially they're looking across the sea over in all of korea is taken by the soviets all of vietnam like Maybe the Soviets stop in Malaysia and maybe we see like a Korean style war against the British. It's, it's a crazy idea. Now we're dealing in crazy hypotheticals. And, and Churchill would never, never let Stalin have Malaysia and Singapore. So, so it'd be worse. It would be a worse Korean war. That's for sure. (laughs) And um, I don't know how much more we can say about that. Do you have any thoughts on more alternate history kind of stuff? If Pearl Harbor doesn't happen. I think we, we covered most of it. It's like, uh, I'm getting to the point where like, if Pearl Harbor didn't happen, like, and let's say there is a major naval engagement out in the sea, uh, the rest of it's gonna the, make... na- the, the rest of the naval war between the Americans and the the japanese would be fought in like in the beginning anyways in the mahan doctrine fleets against fleets it'd be cool to watch and (laughs) like like i said earlier yamamoto needed the success of pearl harbor to start doing the things he wanted to do and reorganizing the navy in that way where carriers are the weapon well actually he um before uh, pearl harbor and everything he did get a nice bolster to his programs Mm -hmm. when he used carriers to hit china they had limited engagements, especially like the Battle of Shanghai at the early stages. And he showed how successful uh, carrier-borne aviation going into the mainland could be. But again, it's it's better to attack islands. Uh, attacking the mainland of China, I mean, it was effective, but it's not crazy. Uh, it's not like Pearl Harbor was a big one, you know? The Battle of Taranto is a huge yes. one, but it's it's... He's not gonna have the oomph that he has. And yeah. you know what? The, the IGA, they're gonna get more funding than in our timeline because they're going to argue look at this stupid navy what are they doing like yeah absolutely we get more yeah. money please and then you know hideki tojo is like hey oil you know, is better used for our tanks yeah. on the mainland uh and hideki tojo i just thought of this if there's no pearl harbor hey yamamoto do you want to come have dinner uh, over in the mainland islands and yamamoto's like oh for some reason says yes and hideki tojo kills him yeah because he can get away with it (laughs) and now all of a sudden japan because you know you had that that diadem of between the the army and uh, the navy and it was somewhat balanced like a a very shaky balance but all of a sudden it's the army and there's no comparison although they still need the resources the navy needs a big victory to be in the game in the war yeah that that's happening in tokyo itself the political game that's it's going to be so much worse i mean it's always it's always cloak and daggers when it comes to the government of assassination as they called it but it's gonna be even worse if yamamoto doesn't become the crowning prince he was because yeah. his, his throat was going to get slit he was sent out to sea on purpose by a, a higher up at one point because they knew he, they were going to kill him uh who uh god it was the former commander of the combined fleet that sent them anyways you know um yeah but uh, other than that i mean when you look at it and people are like oh you know japan lost the pacific war the moment it started it and it's true but uh if you actually look at the options that they had it wasn't so stupid the things Mm -hmm. that they did 
Yeah, I mean, they didn't have a lot of options. They needed the resources. And what's the most effective way to grab this? You got to knock out that over there on the other side of the ocean. And they did. And they were successful. Pearl Harbor was very successful. If they wanted to expand, they had to knock out Pearl. Yeah. Rest is uh, history. As they say. And uh, we are not about to simply, because of the logistics of this, just record the next podcast uh, 10 minutes from now and leave all the same beer cans on the same table so people will notice. Julian! I don't know where I felt like I could get a little drink around here, do you, bud? But, uh, no, it's good that we do the the next podcast. After yes. this one. Actually, it, I didn't want it to be chronologically like this but it's funny the first one i did with eric was okay what if japan attacks russia which would have been 41 and then we have this pearl harbor one which is 41 but the next podcast and the exciting one is what if japan won the battle of midway and we can't do that without this hypothetical of pretty pearl much harbor it, it actually goes hand in hand because it's going to go hand in hand and we're going to see a whole different outcome and uh, actually uh, that one's gonna be more rabbit hole that's a lot yeah. more but uh, this is uh, thank you so much for doing this podcast with me, and I will in, invite you, people watching the video, while I'm doing the bunny ears here. I'll invite you to the next podcast that we're not recording right after this one. Of course not. Yeah. Well, see everyone. Stay classy, everybody. <laughs>